Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast, the first winning podcast of the year. We appreciate you joining us on Monday for the first time in Kevin and I's history, the history of whatever Crossing Broadcast 2.0, 3.0 is. We hope you had a great weekend. Let's get right into it because it wasn't pretty. It was kind of ugly at times, but they don't ask how, they ask how many. Let's bring on Kevin Gicade. Let's get right into it. Kinker, how are we? Good. Just crack a beer, victory beer? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I love that, man. That's a that's no. the kind. That's what we need out of you. I, we could. Beers. We we could. We could. I mean, there's no rule. I mean, as far as I'm, uh, as far as I've, I understand, there's no rule against against drinking on this um, on this program. I mean, we all work remote for the company. You know, I mean, it's not like they're monitoring what we're doing. I, I could crack open one if I want to. No, it's mate. It's mate. Mate, Ricardo, Yerba. Is that is that is that Spanish? Does that mean? Yeah, it's uh, they drink it in uh, South America. I don't know if you ever see the guys walking around with like the um, I don't know how to describe. They look like mugs, and they got like um, straws coming out of it. It's like very popular in like Argentina and Brazil. I've never had it. Is that a victory seltzer? Is that a victory water? Is that a victory? What is what what is this? It's like an herbal tea that they drink. Um, It's got got caffeine in it. Um, It's pretty good, actually. 15-year-old Kinker would kick your ass right now if he, if he knew you were drinking herbal tea from South America. I'm turning 39 in a couple of weeks. I don't really give a shit what, you know, Kinker, 20-year-old Kinker. 20-year-old Kinker probably would have been, like, glued to his computer watching, uh, you know, Big East basketball while playing, like, Warcraft or something like that. So it doesn't, really <laughs> what would, matter. It doesn't matter what he thinks. So. What would 20-year-old Kinker think of the win last night? Uh, he would be, he would have been happy with it for sure. You know, I, I don't, I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I think you, you get a lot of the, a lot of consistent takeaway um, from yesterday's game where it's week one, it's sloppy. They didn't play a lot in the preseason and uh, people just kind of happy to, to get out of there and get away with the win. You know, it, it, it wasn't it very similar to, I feel like we had the, we did the same exact show that we're going to do after week one last year. You know, where they went up to they went out to D- Detroit, uh, built a lead, kind of squandered the lead. And, um, you know, but they won and they got the job done on the road. And, you know, we all bitched about the defense and whatever. But, uh, you know, again, it's two straight wins or maybe three straight wins now, I guess, on the on the road to to begin the season. So I'm so I'm not you know, I, I can't, you know, especially on a short week, you know. Don't have to spend, you know, all the time like bitching about stuff after week one anyway, but you get a short week to come back around, and get Minnesota here. Um, you know, I saw enough um in that game. I guess what I would say is I'm, I I was not at no at no point yesterday was I sitting there thinking like they're gonna lose this game. I didn't not even when Jalen Hurts fumbled at the end. No, that's when it first set in for me. Yeah, because I I just I don't know. It's like you remember what we said last year? It's like they're not gonna lose to Jared Goff in Detroit. Right. I, just didn't think, I didn't think they were going to lose to Mac Jones. But um, the reason why I didn't think they were going to lose to Daniel Goff because it came in with uh, having Dan Campbell. Now you give Bill Belichick eight months to prepare a single Bill Belichick, which turns out that yeah. I guess we were kind of both right in a way. You said single Bill Belichick. This is good for the Patriots. I said single Bill Belichick. He's <laughs> heartbroken, lovesick puppy. Eagles are going to cover. Belichick uh, looked good. The defense looked very good. The, the offensive line, man, got dominated. Lane Johnson, I've never seen Lane Johnson get dominated like he did yesterday by that second-round pick, White. Um, yeah, just no push on the line, really. I think Mylotta didn't have that good of a game. Really, only Landon Dickerson is the one who really stood out for me. Every time they brought another guy on the blitz, I feel like Matthew Judon went in untouched multiple times. I mean, the the, the it, it, shitty conditions. Once again, Bill Belichick, eight months to uh, to prepare and everything. He's the best, one of the best defensive minds of all time. Passing game did not look that good. Running game looked pretty good. The start kind of petered out. Um, yeah, I, I think um, the criticisms of Brian Johnson are fair. Uh, definitely fair. Too conservative. I know you and I, third and 20, we don't like that coward's draw. That's a coward move. Well, yeah, that was a red flag. I don't like that. Yeah. Like, you haven't really seen that one since um, since Andy was here with uh, Marty Morningweg. Right? The coward's draw. Yeah. But – at the end of the day, you got to kind of step back and be like, okay, Brian Johnson's first time calling the plays. He's across the field from six-time Super Bowl champion Bill Belichick. 
Um, it's true. It's true. And that's the thing where I'm like, I want to kill everybody in the moment. And then like two hours after the game, you're listening to Nick Sirianni, you're listening to Darius Slay, you're listening to all those guys talking everything, everybody breaking down the game. And you kind of like breathe a little bit and you're like, okay, a lot to clean up, but you know, there's things you, you can build on from that. Uh, the defense, I mean, Jalen Carter is for real. I don't mm-hmm. think uh, that's, that's amazing to see. Jordan Davis looks awesome. He's making plays in the third, late fourth quarter. Uh, first fumble too in the first. A lot of people questioned uh, how, how in shape he would be and everything. That's awesome sign. Fletcher Cox turning back time. Um, Two big plays in a row there at the yeah. end. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nolan Smith didn't really show out. He only played seven snaps. Maybe that was the injury. Maybe that was the not. Linebackers need to be cleaned up. Nicole Dean's out. Uh, just broke right before uh, the show that he'll be out for multiple weeks. So now they're even thinner at linebacker. Uh, I, I was impressed with uh, Vanilla Nice, Reed Blankenship. Wasn't impressed with the other safety. Wonder how long it will be until we see Sidney Brown. He looked good on special teams and everything. Um, yeah, and speaking of special teams, I haven't seen that bad of a unit since old crazy eyes Dave Phipp was running the unit. Remember that? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Dave Phipp, who was here for like 15 years or whatever, was here oh for Oh, my forever. God. They fired him. Like, I think that was 2020. I mean, that was that yeah. was terrible. Some where do you want to ad- go with it? Where do I want to go? Um, I mean, we could start on the offensive side, I guess. You know, I, I first of all, you know, it was, it was funny because I had an observation in the immediate takeaways about Cam Jurgens, and I was, you know, kind of keeping an eye on him to see how he would do. He didn't stick out one way or another because the entire offensive line didn't have a great game, you know. So I, it's hard to tell <laughs> how much of that was because of New England versus them just being rusty or, or not ready to play. Um, I, I will say that wet turf is is the worst, is the absolute worst. I, there's nothing I would rather play on less than fake artificial turf in in those conditions, you know? And um, that's a tough one to go into. That's a tough place to start. I mean, you look at like the, you're looking at these other games, it's sunny, it's 70, whatever degrees. I mean, look at like, uh, you know, the, the Chargers-Dolphins game, you know, I mean, there was like pristine conditions out there. Then you see, you know, Bel- Belichick soaking wet, um, you know, the, the both lines having to play on that. I, I, it was a strange game because they, <laughs> they went up so big so early that you were just kind of like sitting there like, mm-hmm. all right. there's And then the, it was almost like the Eagles were just sitting there. So it's like they went up 16 up and then they like throttled down to second gear and it's almost like nobody it's almost like they had no idea that there were still three full quarters to play because they had the <laughs> they had the three and outs in the uh second quarter but the first one they ran like the draw they ran like the coward's draw i guess right and they were just sort of like we'll give you a ball back whatever now the second one they threw like a bubble screen to uh Devontae smith on like third and 12 i'm sitting here thinking like all right you got the lead you're gonna protect the lead you're gonna play conservative but there's a lot of fucking time left in this game again yeah. you just gotta do something here and then they took the, they had the two timeouts and they took uh you know um you know to ran around the ball i guess they gave it to gain well and just ran and ran out the clock you know and people were sitting there thinking like all right well so, so from a from a game management and coaching standpoint it was certainly subpar i mean sirianni decided to go for that on fourth and two at the end there um, I know we joke about the, the fourth down call and I post the flow chart on Twitter all the time. Like, was it a good fourth down call? Well, did it go for a first down? Then yes, it was a good call. What did it get stuffed? Then yeah, it was a bad call, but with the offense playing the way they were and the ability to kind of pin them back and make Mac Jones come all the way down the field and beat you. I just, I, like it just, it didn't feel like a, like a, I think that's when we kind of throw the analytics away and you say like, what's the flow of the game? Feel. Like, what's your gut tone? Yeah. And that didn't feel like something that they should have, should have gone for. So I didn't think Sirianni was great. I didn't think Brian Johnson was great. Desai was all right. I mean, it's hard to, you know, we got to go back and look at the all 22 to see how they were lined up on a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, but they can, they can play so much better, but I, I'm not, I'm really not surprised because it just reminds me a lot of what we watched last year in Detroit. And, you know, we all know what happened after that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. This could be a game where you look back in about six, seven weeks and the Eagles are like six and two. And you're like, I can't believe we were worried after we we lost or we almost lost to Bill Belichick in in the rain. Yeah. So you're trying Uh, to separate. Right. So you're trying to separate out like what are real concerns versus what's just like week one, you know, rustiness kind of stuff. I I did find interesting after the game, the conversation about the the preseason, you know, should I have played the starters in the preseason? And um you know, Sirianni kind of admitting like, Hey, I'll go back and I'll, I'll reevaluate that and we'll see what we can do about it next year. Um, but again, there's, there's no magic bullet there, you know, cause, cause you're saying like, 
if if they played two series mm-hmm. in the last preseason game or the second preseason game, would that have prepared them? I just for- think if like you're pu- you're putting yourself in the mind of an athlete, mm-hmm. like if you're if you are doing like two series, you're like you have to get ready for the game, you have to go through your preparation for the game. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I would rather Jalen and the starters do that in maybe the first or second or third game so that they like. You know, maybe even the third game. Like, I know a lot of guys don't usually play in the third game, but maybe, you know, put yourself in that mindset so it's not too far away from like, okay, I remember what I did, my preparation, uh, you know, music, warm up, all that stuff. Like, I think that's kind of important to put yourself kind of in that uh, in that mindset before before you go. And I think it kind of, you know, gets you gets you ready for for the future instead of being like, okay, I haven't really had to prepare since February 12th. Mm-hmm. Um so I could see that. I mean, do I want my starting quarterback out there in a meaningless preseason game so that someone can dive at his fucking ankles? I saw that, by the way, Jalen Mills in the first series. Jalen Mills, he was out of bounds, and Jalen Mills dove for his ankles, um, trying to hurt our boy. But, um, no, I don't really always want my my starters out there because, I mean, we saw the one game, the, the game against, uh, I don't think it was the Browns, whoever, where two guys got carted off, and they were, they were like, still playing the game. <laughs> we're like, Jesus. Two, two head injuries, yeah. Yeah. Call the damn game. It's yeah. it's Cleveland, Cleveland and a Jomo. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's funny because that's like an arbitrary concept anyway. You know, I mean, like how how much readiness is enough readiness, right? It almost goes back to like the Super Bowl preparation thing. It's like if Gannon wasn't on Zillow looking for his house or whatever, would would ninety hours of prep made any difference versus like eighty hours? You know what I mean? So how many preseason snaps do these guys need? They're not going to play a full preseason game. So that so so what's going to prepare them to go up? And let me see how many snaps were in the game yesterday. Eighty defensive snaps, and there were sixty six offensive snaps. So so would one series or two series in the preseason have prepared them to play sixty six offensive snaps in New England in the rain, or a hundred or I'm sorry, eighty snaps in the rain on defense? You know, I, I just don't know if. Um, Again, we're just kind of guessing there. It's like, it's like the vibes guy that we had on the other day, Jason. You know, it's like you can't yeah, yeah you can't measure measure readiness you know it's just it's a it's an abstract concept but i i do think that um jalen hurts looked kind of did, did he not look like he was completely like like there or like dialed into the game or something did, did it seem like he was not like the i don't know what i'm trying to say the it looks like they're trying to make him more of a pocket passer this year and i don't uh, know how comfortable he is doing that yeah yeah maybe um I don't know. He didn't seem like just complete, like, like totally like locked in, you know, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. There's some running early that he did. Um, he got down, he protected himself, um, you know, gave himself up and avoided really any big hits until the fumble at the end. Um, you know, that pass that he the touchdown pass he threw for Devonte Smith, that great beautiful. pass through, through it where nobody else could get it. That was beautiful. Um, decision-making, you know, I think he, he threw a couple into double coverage deep where I think he had Dallas Goddard underneath. Yeah, and, um, a couple times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, crazy that Goddard comes out of that with just one target and zero catches. What, where, where um, you know, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith get their ten each, which is which is pretty standard for um, for these games. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know how much of that was the game plan versus like uh, play calling versus what New England was doing versus him just kind of being there. But um, you know, I think we'll see a much different Jalen Hurts, obviously, on on Thursday. Again, it's I think like the theme of this show and like this this short week is like trying to separate. How do you like separating out like what's a legitimate concern versus like they played this is the first week week that they played. Tom Brady gets his jersey retired or or yeah. he gets his ceremony at halftime. You're playing against Bill Belichick. You're playing against like. I would say the Patriots are a better team than people give them credit for. They now have Bill O'Brien. They don't have Matt Patricia, you know, calling the offense, which was mm-hmm. a wild. That was like a Juan Castillo kind of wild concept from Bill Belichick last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were kind of, you know, they were just kind of like in this in this influx. Ramondre Stevenson is great. Like I said, that defense is awesome. Like this is a, I, I think this is a legit team. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs because the AFC East is just stacked, but like it's going to be competitive. They're all going to be competitive in that division. It's not like it's not like this is um, what we thought the Lions were. Last year, obviously, the Lions one game away from uh, making the playoffs. I think they surprised a lot of people last year. But this is what we thought, you know, we we, we thought they were, you know, the quote unquote Lions. Um, yeah, Craig, I gave you a chart there, too, if you can pull it up and you get a minute. I, I just um, I. Uh, oh, God, I lost my train of thought. I was trying to multitask there and pull up the chart. Um, no, I, I think like the I think we knew that the defensive line was going to be a 
uh, strength, um, which it was for sure. Um, the pass rush wasn't there in the beginning, but it started getting there at the end. Um, this is Mac Jones' pass chart from the from the next gen um, stats page. I'll try to I'll try to talk this out to people who are listening on the podcast. But um, one of the things that I like, the biggest concern I thought defensively was um, New England attack in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. So if you look here, I'll try to count it out. Those green dots are completions. And so like uh, we'll, we'll give you give or take like a yard outside the hash marks here. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten pass attempts uh, inside or right around the hash marks. And it looks like he was nine for ten with a touchdown. Um, oh, I'm sorry. There's two deep shots there, too, actually, like way down there. So we'll say he was he was nine for 12 um if you include those two deep middle shots it looked like they went for 35 each but i, I just you know i wonder if um you know like Jalen carter's there fletcher cox is there milton williams is there hassan reddick's coming off the edge brandon graham um you know i, I wonder if the if the you know with especially with the dean going out too if the game plan against the eagles is going to be to try to like just throw some short middle stuff you know five and three five seven yard dink and dunk bullshit look at all the stuff over there on the left too where he's just kind of mm-hmm. dumping the ball off and if that's kind of uh you're attacking the soft middle there i mean what do you got you got christian ellis on thursday you got uh zach cunningham you've got reed blankenship you've got justin evans right i mean that's certainly i'm not going to call it a weakness after week one but it's certainly not the strength right? no definitely yeah. definitely isn't. <laughs> yeah and look at it on the outsides there too look at all the incompletions on the outside because who's on the outside yeah bradbury and bradbury and slay you know, I, I I watched a clip from John McMullen uh, on Jacob Sports last night, and he was like, he was a little worried about Nicobe Dean, Nicobe Dean, and and because he's undersized, he's light, like mm-hmm. he, and now he just didn't make it through sixty minutes of football, and he compared it to T.J. Edwards last year, who played twenty games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like I I think it's fair to be to be worried about about Dean, and I think maybe Howie is probably going to have to make a trade to bolster the linebacker um, spot. Who was the kid from West Virginia last year that they signed who was everywhere? We signed somebody from West Virginia last year? Last year. He was the uh, the one-year deal. We let him walk in the uh, in the offseason. You know, linebacker. Um, he was really good. Uh, why Why do I not remember that? I feel like yeah. I, would, I would know that if it was a West Virginia guy. Um, this is great uh, broadcasting right here. On my, <laughs> um, yeah, but they, they don't. Yeah, I mean, look, they got a short week. They got so who's next up on the depth chart? They got you know two guys on the the practice squad. You know, they got Kyron Johnson and they got um, Ben Van Summeren. You know, so uh, that's something to think about. Although they do, I mean, we kind of knew this going in, but I have the I have the snap counts pulled up here. They only they only. They only really played two linebackers. I mean, the reason Ellis got the snaps he did was because he was the third row rotational guy. And then obviously when Dean went out, he came in and finished the game. But uh, Cunningham played 70 snaps, 88% of the snaps. Dean played 49, 61% before he went out. And then Ellis played 34, 42%. I mean, they sit in nickel for basically well i can look at avante maddox's snaps here and determine it 89 so they sit in nickel for 89 percent of the game you know mm-hmm. it's, this is always what it is with the snap count slay 100 percent uh reed blankenship 98 percent. i think he only came out for like one or two plays because he like got hit in the chest or something like that justin evans played 96 percent. james bradbury played 90 percent. avante maddox played 89 percent. so yeah and, and then zach cunningham you're 88 so they just sit in that um in that uh, you know four two four two five you know nickel for for the majority of the game that's really what they they are and they always have that's what most nfl teams are that's what jim schwartz was you know that's why it's so stupid kind of talking about like um oh oh kaiser white is who you, who you yeah. meant to talk. yeah he was signed at the beginning of the year he didn't sign like Hampers. yeah yeah um so yeah i mean it's that's interesting to think about you know I, I, the only other way that you could kind of you know, if you really, really didn't like your linebacker depth, you could you could throw some some dime in there, you know, and play six defensive backs around Cunningham if you wanted to. But um, I don't know. Um, I do think that's a little. And I, I know that like New England was throwing their way back into the game. They really didn't do anything on the ground. What did Ramondre Stevenson have? Like twenty five yards, twenty yards, or something like that. Zeke didn't do much. So basically, they were playing from behind. I think Mac Jones chucked it like fifty times in this game. So oh, well, here, here here we go. So it looks like Nicob Dean is actually going to be out for a month, uh, according to Adam Schefter. Philadelphia signed former Titans first-round pick linebacker Rashawn Evans to its practice squad, mm. per sources. So the depth is back, baby. Rashawn Evans season, Howie season, 
Yeah. Hashtag Howie. Yeah, yeah, not not uh, Rashad Evans from the UF from UFC fame. Um, they the the other thing that I was trying to separate out was um, but Brian Johnson. You know, if we're playing this game, this this imaginary game of what's a real concern versus what's not a real concern, but um, the play calling was uh, okay, I guess. Um, you know, the, it, it's funny because like the the deep shot to you know the go route to AJ Brown was a big part of what they did last year. You know, and obviously it's raining, it's crappy. They only uh, they didn't take their first deep shot to AJ Brown until the fourth quarter. You know, um, Dallas Goddard didn't get a target until the fourth quarter. You know, Devontae Smith got a lot of looks, some underneath stuff. It's almost like the Patriots were fine to just sort of let him throw underneath and um, you know to try to at least contain him a little bit in the running game, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. Was there anything that you remember specifically about Brian Johnson? I mean, we talked about the Cowards draw and uh, um, what's the other one? I think I listed it. Of, in there the, was a lot of running on the early downs. I'm not always a big running on the early downs guy. Well, okay, that's that's what I was going to bring up. And I, again, I don't know if this is his call or if it's you know the running. So back. that's what I wanted to ask you. Like Sirianni back in 2021, before he gave play calling to Shane Steichen, he obviously was calling the plays, and I wonder how much he still had play calling duties or maybe you know the last he was the last buck to call the play you know when it was the crunch time and everything i wonder how much he actually gave shane Steichen. and i feel like more in 2022 he trusted shane a little bit more i would say we would have heard if uh if if sirianni still had a hand in, in calling the plays and everything i wonder how much he has uh, a hand in this year with brian johnson before he does uh, evaluate him and get that trust factor in there. I wonder how much this game was called by Brian Johnson and how much this game was called by uh, Nick Sirianni. Well, yeah. And I mean, look, you know, if they're scripting the first, I mean, it looked great on the first drive. I mean, how much of that was scripted and you know, how, how much of that is Sirianni's game plan affecting, you know, what, what he's, you know, creating parameters for what he's called for what Brian Johnson is calling within the game. You know, I mean, for gain, what kind of gain well to come out and get 14 carries Boston Scott to touch it once Deandre Swift to touch it once and Rashad Penny, just be a total healthy scratch. I mean, that I was not ready for. Saving uh, him healthy for week nine. <laughs> Going to healthy scratch him until week nine. Yeah, Cause they have just I don't, I don't, the riches. I don't know. Did any of the beats ask about that? Um, not that I remember. I remember the only thing he was critical of was uh, he was like, DeAndre Swift can't touch the ball two times. So maybe that's a shot at Brian Johnson. Maybe that's a shot at him. Maybe that's you know something they have to fix. Who said uh, that DeAndre Swift can't touch the ball two times? Uh, Sirianni said that. He said he can't touch it. Two- oh, he said, he. oh, like he, he said needs we to can't touch just it more. Two oh, touch- okay. Yeah, two touches oh. to. Right, because he had a reception that went for zero, zero yards, and then he had one carry that went for three. I, I don't Yeah, I mean, that was surprising to me i mean gainwell touched the ball like five times in a row i felt like on that first drive yeah he was sitting on my bench for fantasy and i was like what the hell i, I didn't think he was gonna even be a starter so he finished so gainwell finished with 14 for 54 jalen had nine for 37 and boston scott and deandre swift one carry each for three yards scott boston scott had a reception at a seven yard reception um quez caught both of his passes i think that was a nice little silver lining kind of thing there no drops from him i don't think there was any any drops actually um, that AJ Brown one, I guess, is technically just didn't get two feet in bounce. It was a little bit of a bobble on that. Um, wasn't like the Juju Smith Schuster from a couple of series earlier though, where he just completely, you know, just completely uh, borked it. You know, um, that was great. yeah, I, you know, it was interesting too. I did you um, were you surprised that Slay took that pick six to the house? I thought that's when the Patriots gave up. I thought that's when they were going to step on their necks and just. And yeah. just uh, and, and just and then they obviously go down and and Jordan Davis forces the fumble and they throw a touchdown to Devontae yeah. Smith. I thought it was over. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson like didn't even didn't even give give any no. effort. Uh, Mac Jones did the Olay bullshit and uh, see not running the offensive linemen look they were too uh, too interested in going and get Darius Slay. But that was heads up play by Darius Slay to to take that to the house. Yeah, because there wasn't much of a. Um... You know, uh, I don't look. I don't expect um, Mac Jones to come over and just obliterate. Um, you know, <laughs> but but he he did was like it was like a it was worse than a um, than an Asante Samuel. Um, yeah, EJ has it right. Yeah, Mac Jones with um, with big uh, Jay Cutler energy on the tackle. How, you know, how good was Jake Elliott last last night? Like, I don't, I I can't really put it into perspective because like. I don't know. I never, never kicked football, but I know you've, you played soccer and you've played on turf and you've played on wet turf and everything is yeah. how hard is it to like get under a ball like that? I mean, I think he had like, what, uh, was there a 60 yarder in there or is it more just 56, 56, 48 and, uh, 50, 
52 or 51. Um, yeah. I think the statistic was he was only like only the second if Eagles kicker ever, I think, to hit 250 plus in uh, in a game. But you, you, um, I mean, wouldn't we all kind of agree, like, and and everybody in the chat that the game ball goes to Elliot? Yeah, it, like that, that or Darius, that, that or the defense. I, I I don't know. I mean, that's that has who it has to go to. So I guess we got to give it. I would, yeah, if not Elliot, I would like to know who they're. Um, yeah, here's uh, yeah, and then no, he missed a point after he, he missed a um extra point, and then he hit he banged in three. That's the funniest thing, isn't that the funniest thing ever? That he he'll he'll miss an extra point, but then he'll fifty six right down the The third one was just a looked effortless too. Like he was yeah. just like another day at the office when he just split, I, he just casually split the uprights on that. One. I don't know if this happens to anyone else, but I kind of hate it. But I'm on, we're obviously on our phone the whole time because this is like this is what we do for a living. ESPN is so fast with the alerts that I'll know a a, uh, a Jake Elliott field goal will happen before it yeah. actually goes in. I guess they're up to the minute, you know, live or whatever. Got to disable like your push notifications. I know, or but like, I don't want to do that because then I got to go back in and then enable the push notifications. And the, yeah. the ESPN app already sucks enough. It's already like it never works fast and everything, but it's like it's so yeah. bad. Let me see if I can pull it up because I have the stats here because I wrote the story about Jake Elliott. I'm like, I, 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 yeah, I actually really asked this question. It wasn't like I made a sports radio joke about like a, you know, does Jake Elliott get enough love in Philadelphia? But I do, I do like wonder sometimes if he just kind of, I do wonder if Eagles fans realize how good they have it in the, you know, in the kicking, you know, department, right? Um, have we asked any questions about Jake Elliott since 2020? Because he had those two down years in 19 and 20. But, like, let's be honest. I mean, everybody was kind of – the whole team was kind of shit in those two years. So it's whatever. I just think there's so many, like, likable, charismatic, talented guys on the offense and on the defense that the kicker comes up and it's just like, yeah, okay. So these are the notes that the Eagles PR staff sends out. If, you, if you're – um if you're traveling media and you go to the game, you get, like, a quote sheet and you get notes afterwards – if you if you're not traveling, you still get the notes, but you don't get the quote sheet because that's like propri- proprietary for people who went up there and did the work. You know what I mean? But we get access to this, and so the one bullet was that Elliott is the franchise's all-time leader in 50-plus yard field goals, 21, including the postseason. His 56-yard field goal is tied for the third longest of his NFL career, trailing only the 61-yarder that he hit um, early in the Super Bowl winning season. And a 51-yarder on 10-10-21 at Carolina. Uh, Elliott has made two 50-plus-yard field goals in the same game for the second time in his career. And uh, this marks the first time first time since 1960 that an Eagles kicker has made two 50-plus-yard field goals in the second half of the game. Jesus. I mean, that was really the story, though, wasn't it? I mean, 16-14, they, they open, they get a stop in the second half. Then Elliott kicks a field goal. They go up 19-14. Some key defensive plays there to keep it to one score. Then, then the single doink. Maybe maybe that's why I wasn't concerned because I just like I saw the single doink go in and I was like, okay, it's their day. You know, they got to find a way. I mean, my my sphincter was tightening a little bit towards the towards the end there, but it wasn't any anything to suggest that like they're gonna you know find a way to choke choke this out of there. You know, so so I'm looking at it right now because I did I did put in our little thing where it's like, hey, who's is uh, Jake Elliott the greatest Eagles kicker of all time? So right now the franchise leader in points is David Akers with 1,323. Bobby Walston, who was a hybrid receiver slash kicker. Who can forget the great Bobby Walston, uh, who had 881 points. And Jake Elliott in 97 games has 653. He's third right now by a, a pretty wide margin. And that's one of Sam Baker with 475, and he was also a kicker right now. I mean, you got to think. I, I Off the top of my head, I don't know how, how old Jake Elliott is, but um, he's, 28. he's played seven seasons. Yeah. He could probably play seven to ten more if he stays, you know, good he'll have that he'll have that uh that locked up for uh that acres record locked up uh by the time he's done it was just funny because acres was just like you know so, many, so he had so many big moments like playoff field goals i'm trying to think like what's what's jake's like the one that comes to my head right now is the the one that beat the giants the 61 yarder mm-hmm. that was awesome yeah yeah um and that's but, really- EJ, but, but EJ's right here. I mean, like 18 of the last 23 years, I mean, they've, they've had good kickers, you know? I mean, it was just basically the gap between uh, Alex Henry. With a gap between Akers to, to, yeah, to Elliot, Alex Henry and Caleb Sturgis, right? And the guy who did the double doink. 
Oh, Cody Parkey. Yeah, Cody Parkey. Cody Parkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what it is. I just, I don't, I don't. To answer my own question, I don't think that Jake Elliott is underappreciated here. I just think it's like we've we have benefited from just having great kickers more often than not, um, and that's kind of you know the reason why you know he maybe just kind of slides under the radar. I mean, he was a Pro Bowl or two years ago, and and was probably good enough to go to go. Um, you know, last year, if you think about it. Um, yeah. We didn't talk about Jalen Carter really, other than just to say that he was awesome. Um, I mean, it's like <laughs> he was top yeah. two in win rate and cast rush win rate right now as a rookie. Yeah. Patrick Cox is number four. So two guys in the top five in the first week. That is amazing. I mean, just defensive line is is uh is starting where it stopped last year. It's just crazy how he gets like that interior push. I mean, because they were such a such an, an edge rushing team last year that it wasn't like they were you know, it's not like a lot of their pressure was coming straight up through the middle, you know, but he's able to just kind of toss these guys aside, you know, plant a foot in the ground, just go straight up field, you know, um, as much as we talk about Reddick and Brandon Graham and all these other guys getting around the edge. I mean, he's just going straight. He's going from mm-hmm. point A to, um, to point B, you know, I mean, like, look at him just kind of is from the baldy clip. Yeah. Now he's just going to hold up the, yeah, he'd be probably getting held there. Just engages the shed that line. shed that blocker is like a rookie, and I know they were down three guys on the line and everything. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a little bit, Craig. I think he yeah, with this one right here. No, this one right here. He just tosses this guy like he's a fucking rag doll with one arm. One arm, yeah. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the the stat was. Let me see if I can pull it again. Um. According to Pro Football Focus, no defensive tackle in the NFL had more pressures, seven, than Eagles rookie Jalen Carter. He had a 32% pass rush win rate in his NFL debut, um, but, you know, small sample size in one game, of course. But according to Pro Football Focus, this is me reading off my, my own thing, by the way. Miles Garrett finished first last season with a 25.6% number. So over the course of, you know, however many games he played, 17 or whatever, there it is. Um yeah, Carter's 40 snaps in New England amounted to 50% of the total defensive snaps played second among the defensive tackles with Fletcher Cox logging 50 snaps, Jordan Davis 35, Milton Williams 33, and then Contavia Street and Marlon Tui Pelotu with six each. It actually came, you know, it's funny because Milton Williams played a bunch in the, in the first series. Mm-hmm. I think they, came, they came out in like a, that bare front, you know, like the three def- defensive tackles where they had Will Williams and Cox and uh, Davis out there. Um which kind of kind of like an interesting storyline. I don't think anybody talked about in the beginning of, um, you know, in the summer at all. It's like because Jordan Davis was only really in there for, excuse me, run, um, you know, run d- downs, you know, first and second down or whatever. And uh, so I wonder what the split's going to look like. Maybe you know, four games in between, how many snaps Carter plays, how many Davis plays, how many are they in there together? Um, you know, how many runs, obvious, you know, how many run downs, quote unquote, and how many obvious passing downs that he's in there. So that's kind of a separate, uh, you know, sidebar thing that we can keep an eye on. But yeah, I mean, the kid's just, um, he's a, he's a, he's a bull, man. I don't, I don't know if we came up with, came up with something better than baby rhino, but baby uh, rhino stinks, but uh, baby rhino's never, whatever the f- alternative is. Um, yeah, um, my underrated play of the game was Fletcher Cox and Jake Elliott going over to uh, to uh, Josh Job after the like the, mm-hmm. the sideline and going like yo 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 and and, and keeping him from um, like like taunting taunting the guy off the sideline and uh, you know getting a 15, 15 yarder. I think um, I thought there were some shitty calls that went against the Patriots. If we're being uh, there was there was a hold on Goddard yeah. that was definitely not a hold. Yeah. Um. There was the Hunter Henry um, and Christian Ellis uh, episode two, where I thought this was actually a huge part of the game where they had, they Patriots were driving when it was 19 to 14 and they were in field goal range and they had a very dubious penalty on Hunter Henry. And then they got a, and then the Eagles got a tackle for loss on the next play. And I think it was fourth and 21. And then they ended up having to punt because they were out of, um, but that was, I thought Belichick made a lot of weird calls. And in, and in the week leading up to it, all he was talking about was how his kicker has a great leg. And they were within field goal position at least three times, if I remember off the top of my head, that they could have 
easily trotted him out there. Even that one, I think, would have been a 61, 62 yarder and everything. I mean, if you really wanted to try it, you could have. I guess obviously you don't want to give Eagles the field position and everything, punt him back yeah. deep. Your defense is playing pretty well. But the thing is, like, I, I don't know. I mean, for, to Belichick doesn't really dish out compliments like that. So for him to say that and not go for the, uh, I don't remember the, the the field goal kicker coming on on once uh, last night. So, um, uh, let's get yeah. into no, go ahead. Go. What were you guys I want to get into some fun stuff that I saw from uh, from the game. What do you think? Uh, what do you think Billy B was was smelling here? Craig's got it queued up. Oh, oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think Billy was tapioca morning breakfast a little bit, a little stale coffee. Oh, that's, I think yeah. it was a little little humid over there, so he was wetting the uh, <laughs> wetting the lips a little bit, crack lips. Maybe a little chapped. Yeah, maybe he was just trying to. Uh... You know, that was like Kenny Atkinson back in the day when he went to his ear and just did this ear and then he ate it, he ate his earwax. I was like, Oh, oh my I know, God, I wanted so cringe. uncomfortable. Yeah, oh, I, I wanted know. to cringe out of my skull. Yeah, um, there was that. I think Tom Brady may have like almost kissed Bob Kraft on the forehead or like almost, yeah, yeah, yeah they have a, they have an interesting relationship. Tony Romo wasn't that bad. I'm not a Tony Romo guy, I was for a little bit, and then the. Eh, ooh, Jim, maybe. Oh, maybe Jim. Jim. Oh, oh. We didn't get any of those. I was surprised no. we didn't get any of those. Um, he's a little tempered. Yeah, he's been a little more more tempered lately. Right? Oh, he said he was reading. He was he was reading the comments first. He was reading his press clippings his first couple of years. Then he was reading the comments uh, that people were not happy with him and everything. So I think he's dialed it back a little bit. But he he was very under under prepared. There was a couple of things he said that were just like did make yeah. any sense. It did see a little. It didn't seem a little. Uh, a little more of a, a measured Romo, a mellow Romer, ro- mellow Romer, uh, mellow Romo. Uh, you know, like a, it's almost like he took an ed- edible before the game or something like that. But um, some stuff he got excited about. He was very excited when the Patriots sent a zero blitz, but they played like a flat zone line on the back of it. It was like almost like a Jim Schwartz sticks. But if you sent everybody else rush seven and just sit four back there, it's like he's like seeing everything. So he only gets excited when there's something like new or unique, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I appreciated Nance and I don't, I don't have anything against Nance or Romo. I, I thought it was nice to get the A team for once. Felt like we got a lot of the B team and the C team over the last uh, couple years on the broadcast, you know, some dude that you've like never heard of, you know? Um, so that made the game feel a little bit bigger, I think. Um, yeah. He did say soft zone like a bunch of times in a row. He was talking about the Patriots that I'm, that I'm sure was triggering for the anti uh, anti Gannon people. Um, Gannon's boys played hard for him, by the way. I just want to, I can't believe it took us this long to, to bring it up. <laughs> well, I mean, we got to talk about our team first and we've done enough Gannon shit in recent weeks. as it is. So did you, did you see what you thought you'd see from Desai? Was this kind of like a, a Desai game? Was this a lot of like soft zone too too high safety? Obviously, the the uh, defensive line was neutralized a little bit with the conditions and everything. Didn't really yeah. get to them, especially with three uh, three starters on the line out. Um, was this kind of something you you thought you'd see? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty basic um, 2023 NFL game plan, uh, defensive game plan. I thought, you know, um, nothing crazy. That 76 yard, that 76 yard drive under two minutes, and I think the third or the fourth, whatever it was, late yeah. in the game. That was a little scary. That was uh, that was Gannon esque. Gannon had a lot of those. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, didn't we have one in Detroit last year? So that's what I'm saying. I mean, like that. I I, I felt like in a, little, in a little bit of the way, in a little. Yeah, they were always good for something where they were like up by like two scores, mm-hmm. and then the defense stopped playing before it was over. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, it's an eight point game now, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, it did. It did feel like that. I don't know. I hate to be like that dude, but it's like, well, I gotta watch the film. You know, to see kind of you need the all twenty-two angles just to to have a better understanding because there's so much shit that's off screen. You, like you can't really tell how you can't tell how how far back Blankenship and Evans are playing on most of these plays because you get like you get cut off on the on the thing, you know. Kev, are you campaigning for us to go back to Tuesdays? So you can watch no. the all twenty-two? No, I think this is better. It's a podcast. It's on Crossing Broad. We're like pretty chill. We keep it pretty surface level here. I'm not going to be like, well, I'm going to give you my all 22 film study. <laughs> you know, but I can't. I don't know. I can't really like give a good answer on Desai until uh, you know doing all that. I, I do like having the short week so we can get to see him again in action, right? But um, I, you know, I mean, Evans. I, I see. Here's my thing, man. I, I would. 
like encompassing the Gannon and the Jim Schwartz stuff too. I mean, people the the, the complaint that people have had about Eagles defenses over the last ten years is is the same one, right? It's just they stuff that's too soft or you know defense not Jim Johnson. We're playing too far back. Yeah, I mean, so but but what I really like that Jim Schwartz used to do that Jonathan Gannon did not do was step that second safety up into the box and do you know do some different things with him i mean they don't have malcolm jenkins right but i loved when they would walk him down there and they'd have him pick somebody up or like get in there on run coverage and then you could leave rodney mcleod back there on the hash mark and and cj garner johnson would do that a little bit last year a little bit yeah yeah but they didn't have the guy opposite i mean marcus epps was not like a um i think everybody would probably agree that marcus epps was a downgrade from prime Rodney McLeod during the Super Bowl year. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody was confusing Epps and CJ GJ, who played really well against the um, Chiefs the other night, for Jenkins and McLeod. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins is a you know once in a generation kind of safety who can do a lot of different things. But I would love for them to be able to have some to be able to do some stuff with those guys. I don't know. I don't know if like Blankenship and Evans are good enough for them to do anything other than just basic safety stuff i mean we'll find out but that's that's where i'm concerned about man is that mid that middle there you know I, Cunning, I Cunningham, know. ellis and the two safeties I'm, i don't know how i feel about the middle you know? i thought blankenship had a pretty good game i remember off the top of my head that one uh that one play uh guy got out in the flat and he and he made a, a big tackle nick sirianni slaps him on the head with the uh with mm-hmm. the call sheet and everything yeah, 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 that yeah. was a nice little play he had that touchdown that uh he got beat on uh, i think he was might have been a little concussed from either that drive or the drive before he got kind of banged up but uh but yeah i mean i i i like blankenship i think he i think he can play is he like like you said is he malcolm jenkins no he'll, he probably never will be he's undrafted out of middle tennessee state but uh but i thought he he looked pretty good i'd love to have kind of like back in the day like uh i mean not dawkins michael lewis but like because they both just hit the shit out of people but i would love to have like a reed blankenship kind of like good cover safety and then sydney brown just like a guy who's just gonna like make guys think twice about coming over the middle. More like, like, I, like, a, like a hammer and a, like a like hammer, a yeah. Safety. Like a, a classic strong safety, free safety yeah. kind of split. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the maybe that's the Neanderthal in me, my my defensive football concepts. But you know what? That's what I loved back in the day. Guys that could just come over the middle and get smacked by Sidney Brown would yeah. be amazing. I know they just don't really. I mean, I don't even know how many depth charts have um, you know, or list like a strong safety and a free safety because it's just not really. I mean, they're just sort of listed as safeties now. I think I'd be interested in going going through all the NFL depth charts and looking at that. But um, yeah, we, I, uh, I mean, that's that's it's definitely something I'm keeping an eye on, though. You know, we can get into it more next episode. But um, I think they I think they beat up the Vikings on Thursday. Right now, the spread is seven and a half. I think that's it was eight somewhere. I think that's an Eagles yeah. line right there. See, I didn't see too much. That's the one game I didn't see too much of the Bucks and the. Vikings. Well, Baker Mayfield or the Bucks beat him, so I, I don't think uh, I think there's a good chance that Carson Wentz could be in Minnesota by week eight. I really <laughs> I did, do. I did appreciate uh, Lane Johnson yelling, "Hey, motherfuckers, holding me!" Uh, clearly, uh, clearly audible on television. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, yeah, I mean, as far as first, yeah, I don't, I don't think I think we covered it all for the um, on the Eagles side. Uh, oh, Aaron Sipas with the with the. Double clutch and then um, deciding to kick it and then getting flagged for an illegal uh, or an ineligible man downfield. That was a new one. I am sitting in the comfort of my air conditioned house in a sweatshirt with not ever playing one down of football. But I will tell you this. That was the pussiest thing I've ever seen on a football field in my life. I mean, the guy was close to him, but it wasn't like he was at his ankle diving for it. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's a that's a that's a coverage, a play, whatever that Aaron Sipos has seen hundreds of time in his NFL career. I, I just he got spooked. Some I, I I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's got maybe he's got the yips. One thing I would like some clarification on that Romo was talking about was when um it wasn't Calcaterra, it was uh, Stoll, Jack Stoll <laughs> got tripped up, tripped up and fell into um. You know, Patriots guy and they call it chop block on it. Yeah. Romo was like, well, he tripped, he tripped, he tripped, which he did. He stepped on Jason Kelsey's back foot on his right foot, but uh, he, he, but he still clattered into the guy. 
when mm-hmm. he was engaged, right? So does it matter? Is there something in the rule book that says it doesn't matter if you do this accidentally or not? It's still a chop block, right? You know I mean, there's saying? no like, chance the refs. There's no chance the refs saw that. I, right, I mean, they right. went back to the replay, and I barely saw him trip over Kelsey's knee. He just tripped. Two left, right? Feet. Right, but but you know, but you know what I'm saying? It's like um, even if he, regardless of whether he tripped or not, he still went. He still fell into the guy's legs while he was already engaged. So does it does it matter if he tripped? I guess is the question I'm asking, you know? No, because he, his helmet went right into the guy's knee. Yeah, because so. he went right out. Yeah, it could have. Yeah, so I didn't. Um, I guess they could have not called it. But yeah, I, I, that was this thing that I was curious of. Like, I was like, okay, so he tripped. But I'm like, does that's it, just an unlucky one where like the defender has like a great position on the ball. And then you're and then the wide receiver gets ahead of them. The quarterback underthrows it and they run back into the into the uh, defensive back and they get the flag every single time. And it's just so annoying yeah. and so frustrating. The Flacco, the, the Flacco-esque. Uh, throw under oh, throw yeah, yeah. I, the only <laughs> other um the only other note that i had written down here i mean britain covey was solid enough yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't drop the ball he had the 25 yard return which some people didn't like that i was that i wrote i wrote a story last week like um i forget what the title was it was something like hope you're uh hope you're all ready for another you know for sapas and covey in week one right you know it's mostly about iron sapas i mean covey is okay but i mean if he was such a such an amazing punt returner they wouldn't have, wouldn't have put him through waivers and had to elevate him from the practice squad and we on we week one we have a we have a strong mormon base in philadelphia down here right on uh like 16th and uh and vine street right now scott o'neill was a part of that uh church for a little bit i don't know if he still is but scott o'neill is a mormon yeah scott o'neill seventh latter-day saint or whatever they call it we, got, we have a strong base one of the i think it's like the flagship uh of the east coast um they have this beautiful like 20-story building that they bought that they built right right down the street from the basilica really encroaching encroaching on our uh catholicism territory over there like the east we're like the east coast like like uh foothold for the for the mormons i think we're the seventh latter-day saints like east coast flagship area we got a whole foods that's the east coast flagship uh right up the street on 20th and callow hill and then we have right down 16th and uh 16th and Vine. I used to run, walk by it. I was going to Comcast every single day. I was like, what are they building here? And it's just like, it's. I, uh, I, I, by the way, I think you're, I think you're combining the, the seventh day Adventists. They and are. The church. Of, okay. But like, you're, the but they're, no, but they're just called, I think they're just called the Church of Latter day Saints. But right? they're all I mean, like they're, under the same Mormon Brotherhood, right? Okay. Yeah. But I, I, but that's, I think technically what they call themselves now, I, I think they just call them, they don't call it the Mormon church anymore. They call it the church of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is what they call themselves. Were my pronouns wrong? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Did I, did I misgender the church of Latter-day Saints? <laughs> no, ch- no, church doesn't have a gender. I just, I think the seventh day Adventists are something different, aren't they? Uh, what, let me Google here just so I can find out this. Craig might have it. Adventist Church. There we go. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, informally known as LDS or Mormon Church, is a restorationist, non-Trinitarian Christian denomination belonging to Mormonism. The church is headquartered in the United States in Salt Lake City and has established congregations and built temples worldwide. Over 17 million members. Do you have any notables there? Is Bryce Harper and one of the notable notable alumni there, uh, Craig? Like it's uh, Uh, Scott O'Neill? Did Scott O'Neill make it? I don't think it's got notable alumni, Craig. If I'm just, you can just look at the left, Craig. You don't have to scroll all the way down. <laughs> no, it's 250 grand, and the guy doesn't even know how to work Wikipedia. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, we can't win with this guy. I'm just having no, this here. I couldn't tell you any famous Mormons that I know. Um, Joe Smith, Scientologists, though. Yeah, like Tom Cruise. You know, dude. There's uh, so many famous Mormons. There's like seven on the Phillies. <laughs> Craig's on the criticism and controversy part. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> on Wednesday, we'll do we'll do a brief, a deep dive into the Church of Latter Day Saints. You know what? You can just do do Google here. You can do famous BYU alumni, right? Because they're the Steve Young, Mormon, right? Uh, Danny H, uh, Orson Scott Card was a Jimmer um, Fredette. Andy Reid, Andy Reid, a Mormon. Andy Reid is a Mormon. Yes, he is. Oh, wow, I totally forgot that. about that. Jim McMahon, Jim McMahon, Steve Young. yeah, good job, Joey. Ken Jennings from Jeopardy is a more Julianne Huff, David Archuleta, <laughs> Brigham Young, obvious. <laughs> Ryan Gosling did not see him being a Mormon. Did not see him being a soaker. The Detmers, yeah. Oh, Eliza Dushku, really? Wow. Oh, shout out Elijah Dushku and uh, bring it on. I uh, turned into a man. Classic. <laughs> 
Aaron Eckhart. No idea. Christina Aguilera is a Mormon. Oh, Aaron Eckhart, uh, Two Face from uh, The Dark Knight. Gladys Knight. Oh, Mitt Romney, of course. How did I forget Mitt mm -hmm. Romney? Binders. He's got binders full of women. No, Scott O'Neill didn't make the list. Hate to say it. Paul Walker, the late Paul Walker. Julianne Huff. Gladys Knight. Ryan Gosling did, uh, did, uh, oh my God, what's his wife's name? John Heater? Wow, Napoleon yeah. Dynamite is a, is a is a Mormon. Ava, do you think Ava Mendez had to convert to uh, to latter latter day uh, latter latterness? I don't know. She married Ryan Gosling. I don't know. Well, hey, let's that's give, your let's uh, get uh, Mormon talk. That's, though. Your, that's <laughs> your Mormon minute. <laughs> what? Um, Mormon minute. And just as a clarification, we love and appreciate all all religions on the program. You know. Yes. Shouldn't require clarification, but there Even, you go. So we, let's do a real quick uh, wrap of the. Uh, we got like we're gonna go like another ten minutes or something here. NFC um, East. Well, did you watch the any of the Commanders and Cardinals instant instant classic on? Uh... I red zoned it. Okay. So I guess I watched it like, I guess what what would you consider like a red zone like watch like is that like the Wikipedia of like watching football games? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can highlight. Just use red zone as a as a verb and everybody verb? understands okay. what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the def I mean the, look the defense was the Arizona defense looks pretty good. Um, yeah, they got some players. Zayvon Collins. I mean, uh, they had they three. Have, they have three they had killers. They have some killers, they man. Like literally I trying to kill Sam Howell as he, <laughs> as he goes out of bounds. Yeah, uh, I didn't mean literally kill the guy uh, right. figuratively, but um, yeah, they had three three turnovers and they lost, or three takeaways and they lost. But I mean, Josh Dobbs is just. I, they, they don't have anything on offense. I mean, everybody knew that. So I'm I'm going to be interested to see what kind of Philly fans do the poo-poo Gannon thing all season mm -hmm. long, quite clearly knowing that this guy has jack shit to work with, and they're obviously tanking the, for the draft. Do you, do you think they care that Ben Simmons was with Mikael Bridges for like the last half of the, uh, the season last year and nobody yeah. else? No. Do you think they care that Carson Wentz had nobody on the commanders last year? Absolutely not. No, there are people like Bob who are like, well, the yeah. receiving core was fine. Don't get don't let facts get in the way of a good roast of Jonathan Gannon, Carson Wentz, and Ben Simmons. Um I know. yeah. Prime, prime, like uh, you know, who's the greatest football coach of all time? Belichick prime Belichick. Bel Belichick could not do anything with that that Cardinals team, you know. I mean, they're in they're in for a for a long I just wonder how how long the defense plays hard for him and for for Nick Rallis before Inevitably, they just give up. Say what the they would have won that game with Kyler Murray. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, yeah, 100 percent. They win that game with yeah. Kyler Murray. I can't even name their number one receiver. Actually, I know James Connors on the team. Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore. I mean, yeah. if you told me John Brown was still on the team, I would be like, yeah, John Brown. He's gonna. Zach he's Ertz is life. in for it. Yeah, Zach Ertz is in for a tough one this year, man. I mean, that's that's a. Uh, but hey, guys played with fire in their gut. So you know what? That's all you can ask when you're uh, when you're when you're Jonathan again. Guys, I don't know if they took the bus there. I don't know if they took a cab there. I don't know if they took a car there. But they had some fire in their gut. Did you watch uh, any of the Sunday Night Football? Did you waste your time on that like I did? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. You know, I was like still writing for the site and still trying to get some stuff up and just kind of had it on, you know, on the TV. And uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was almost like the. Um, same start as the uh, Eagles and the Patriots, right? Except no, there was no com no comeback at all. Seventy-eight uh, to seven, the last two games the Giants have been a part of. Yeah, what I was trying to determine, uh, not just that game, but the San Francisco Pittsburgh game, was how much of that is just, you know, San Fran and Dallas looking legit versus Pittsburgh and New York just looking like dog shit. Um, because I, I, you know, they were impressive. I mean, San Fran looked great, and the Cowboys looked great. I mean, Dak only completed thirteen passes, but he only, he didn't have to. Yeah, do anything where they had two defensive touchdowns or a defensive touchdown, a special teams touchdown. Tony Pollard had two touchdowns. They ran in another one at the end there and kicked a couple of field goals. They didn't need to. Yeah, Dak didn't have to throw a bunch. Yeah, just because that game was a was a laugh laugher. Um, do you think they'll ever forget nine ten? I kind of paused there because I didn't really know how to answer. That. <laughs> I promise you they won't. Inappropriate? I don't know. Um, I no, they no, they will not forget nine ten for all the wrong wrong reasons. But uh, yeah, Cowboys defense looks legit. Here, yeah, you know, see some bullet point takeaways from um, 
from the instant classic on Sunday night. Daniel Jones, 15 for 28, 104 and two interceptions. Sacked seven times for 47-yard loss combined. Saquon Barkley, 12 carries for 51 yards. He got absolutely obliterated on a on a pass that he caught that went for a pick six. I thought that should have been a fumble, but what do I know? Darren Waller, three receptions for 36 yards to lead the Giants. All Giants not named Waller, 14 receptions for 74 yards, 5.28 yards per uh, reception. Darren Waller, by the way, a little bit of trivia, married to uh, Las Vegas Aces uh, point guard Kelsey Plum. Or Kelsey Waller now. Five New York fumbles and Graham Gano was 0 for 2 on field goals and 0 0 on extra 0 for 0 on extra points. So they don't uh, have any wide receivers. They don't have an offensive line. They barely have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. They're just not a good football team. And but other than, other than that, you know. The fact that Dayball trotted out Daniel Jones just to get murdered again at the end of the game, down 40 nothing is insane. Almost as insane as the, yeah. the, the Giants fans who sat through 40 nothing yeah. uh in their quote unquote blue out, which was actually a blowout. Um so real quick then. Yeah. Eagles, fine. They'll be there at the end. Dallas, legit. Legit. Oh yeah, definitely. San Fran, legit. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what we thought going into it, right? San Fran, Dallas, Philly. Like that's the, probably the three the top teams that, that have a chance at, at the Super Bowl. Um, how impressed were you by Detroit and Green Bay? Green Bay, I will chalk that up to Justin Fields never believing in him. Okay. Um, the Green Bay defense was really good. Um, I, I thought they were good last year. They've always had a pretty stout defense. Um, is Jordan Love for real still uh, still out there? And then who was the other one, Detroit? Yeah. Man, I am so not a believer in Detroit. I mean, people were just ball-washing them, ball-washing them, ball-washing them on Thursday. I mean, you have Patrick Mahomes, and then you have the next two best players, Chris Jones and both Travis Kelsey, out. Like, that's two of your top three players out. I mean, Kadarius Toney couldn't couldn't catch a cold. One goes through his one goes through his hands for a pick six. Like, I mean, the Lions are good. They'll play hard for Dan Campbell. That defense is legit. I believe I don't believe in Jared Goff. Uh, why is he not playing Jameer Gibbs more? It doesn't make any sense. I know he doesn't want to run him down and everything. He's a rookie, but I just didn't understand that kind of um, concept. I mean, David Montgomery's getting run over by Nick Bolton uh, in pass protection and stuff. I, I just, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think the the cream will always rise to the top, and it's the Browns. I mean, it's the uh, the Lions. Browns would go hand in hand too. The Lions organization at the end of the day, and I just, I don't, I'll never believe in the Lions until they until they make me believe in them. Honestly, yeah, I think the one. I mean, everything else was kind of run of the mill from from week one, right? You know, the Buccaneers are for real. Uh, well, we're gonna find out about the Vikings and the Buccaneers coming up pretty quickly here. Um, the only other interesting game really was the Rams in Seattle. I yeah, didn't get to see. You know, obviously, I think that was that was another four twenty five, right? So we probably didn't mm-hmm. get to see much of that if you're watching the Eagles. But I think the Rams just like doubled them in time of possession. Um, so you know more questions i think probably with like seattle's defense than anything there um giving up 30 you know with cooper cup not not even there um atlanta and carolina was a laugher nobody gives a shit about them uh, the, saints, the, worst, the worst game saints titans man every yeah. time you went every time red zone went back to them there was another turnover it was terrible yeah three interceptions for Tannehill, right i think on that that game and Derek carr threw a pick too uh chris olave looks like the real deal um but i don't you know i'm not I didn't see anything other than outside of San Fran and um, Dallas. I was like, you know, I don't, I don't see anything that you you would really that anybody should really be that worried about. You know, you want to? You got anything off the top of your head for uh, for college football? Um, uh, Coach Prime and the Buffs are are for real. I I can't believe how bad Jeff Sims is, Nebraska quarterback. Yeah. He, yeah. he can't even put the ball in someone's gut. He drops fumble. Like I, I still think the buffs are good and everything. I'm still questioning that that front seven. I just think Nebraska is really, 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 really bad. And if people are saying Matt Rule is a fraud, I will, I will, I will come to your house and I will tell you how much of a fraud he is actually not. All right. There's a yeah. lot of Matt Rule fraud talk out there, and I can't stand that. That's a that's a it's a good man. Yeah, the games I watched were <clears throat> Colorado, Nebraska, and Texas, Alabama, and um, yeah, Alabama's dynasty might be might be uh, coming to an end here. Saban, Saban kind of like you know doing a lot of TV, kind of giving some hints a little weird in his press. Too many Affleck commercials? Are you saying? Yeah, I think he might Dion be uh, doing the same commercials though. I think he might be wrapping uh, wrapping it up here. I think Nick Saban might be ready to move on to the next day, but it's good for. 
it's good for college football, man, just to have some different to see Clemson kind of out of it, Alabama kind of out of it, just some some new blood, some different teams in there. I mean, uh, but the West Virginia yeah, game was a fucking joke and a half, so I turned that off. Um, yeah, Utah got a great likable that I'm so happy that he didn't embrace the NIL and now he's just paying for it. Yeah. Yeah, um, good game. Actually, underrated game. I watched a little bit of was Oregon and Texas Tech. Um, yeah. Oregon scored like twenty some points, I think, in the fourth quarter. But nothing, nothing else crazy. Um, we had a Washington no. uh, Washington State game upset. We had a Philly sighting. Guy uh, was right behind the coach getting interviewed. Threw a Phillies hat on. Yeah, which was pretty cool to see. And uh, don't sleep on Miami. Temple's got Miami coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I'm going to that game. That'll be fun. They're okay. going to get. They're going to blow the doors off of. Uh, off of uh, Temple, beat up on, uh, yeah, beat up on Miami of Ohio, beat up on Texas A&M. I think, uh, I think Miami, the U, might actually be back. Did we? Um, we'll get Dan Celio on the show to talk about it. Eh, I mean, I don't need that guy. He just, he just. Do you, do you, do you <laughs> see his tweets? He just yells the whole time. He just yells on Twitter the whole time. Kobe Dean, not a middle yeah. linebacker. Jalen Hurts starting to become a fraud. Being exposed, Nick Sirianni. What's he doing? It's just like two exclamation points, sometimes capital letters. Jesus Christ, the CTE just kicks something on that guy when he tweets. I know. Yeah, and I don't really like going to the CTE thing too often because it's like this guy probably does have brain damage from playing football. But yeah, I don't I think mean, it's probably it's CTE. So. Did the Iowa Iowa State undercash the old Kevin Kincaid play of the year? Um, I think it just barely did. Yeah. I, um, Twenty see. to thirteen was the final. I believe yeah, it was 35, 36. thirty-five. Yep. Twenty to thirteen. Yep. Yeah. I missed the under on uh, Indiana and Indiana State. Hmm. Um, I was backing on Indiana State scoring zero, but they scored seven and they ruined it for me. So, okay, gambling weekend. I lost twenty bucks. Um, I wasn't really feeling it, so I didn't publish any of my picks. So technically, on my public picks, I'm still five and one for the year. I want a dollar eighty. So click uh, here to sign up. By the way. Crushed it this week. Nothing really great. Week three: Miami, Kansas State, Florida, Boston College, Penn State, Illinois. If anyone wants to remember that that all time six overtime uh, game. Did you just say Illinois? Illinois, yeah, Illinois. <laughs> oh, you like I didn't call it Chicago. I saw what? someone with I saw someone with a Chicago license plate last night. Not Illinois, Illinois, Chicago. That's what that's what the that's what the state should be called. The state should be called Chicago. Pit, uh, the Pitt Panthers lost to uh, Cincinnati. Uh, so uh, the backyard brawl coming up on Saturday. The loser goes to one and two. God, we both we both suck ass. I mean, Pitt and West Virginia, man. How far how far we have fallen since the days of Larry Fitzgerald and. Pat White and Steve Slayton and HB Blades, the son of Benny Blades. You know, his teams used to be good. Now we stink. So yeah, looking at the college football next two weeks, it's not that it's not that good. There's no top twenty-five matchups as of now. Uh, but uh, but week five, week five, we get back in, or week four, excuse me, we get back into it. So. Yeah, that, was good. that was a good show. That was a good show for a rash. Is it Rational Monday now? Is that what we're calling it? Rational yeah, Monday. People want to call it. Okay. All right. And we'll be back Wednesday, of course. Monday, Wednesday now. Which actually works out this time because we we do have Thursday uh game, so we'll be able to uh Yeah. Yeah, good we'll, we'll actually we'll have um we'll have the director of Kelsey on. The director of Kelsey is coming on. Kelsey, the documentary comes out tomorrow. Um so we'll watch that. We'll break it down with the uh director. And uh, we'll go from there. Any predictions for the Brave series versus the Phillies? Ooh, um, I think they split. That seems to be the sexy, uh, yeah, the sexy consensus. I think they're all right against the Braves lately. Yeah, I I don't, um, Eh, no, I think the Braves are probably going to take three or four. You think I am kind of out on this Phillies team right now? Hmm. Um, so we have that 105 game starting in about one minute. And then we have uh, today at six forty as well. We got a doubleheader today. Doubleheader, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think I don't think they have the horses this year. I really don't. I think the, I, I hate the bullpen. Um, I you know I, we I just the one run games. I know we've like a bunch of comeback from behind victories and stuff. I really think they should have pulled out last night. Uh, the starters, the bullpen management by Topper, the, the management in general by pitchers. Christopher Sanchez. I was at that game on Friday. He was mowing people down. They take him out. Um, Sir Anthony's broken. Like I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty lost on the fills right now. I don't know if they have the, uh, if they have the horses. Yeah, sorry, I'm gonna issue an editorial. 
thing here real quick. I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to ask nobody in the company to share the, the DraftKings uh, 9-11 part. <laughs> We're going to uh, act like I'm that. Never I'm, surprised that I'm surprised that hasn't been, uh, that yeah, hasn't been already gone out. You're going to see Kinker in action here uh, at the channel. Please nobody share the DraftKings 9 <laughs> 11 parlay that's thing. the kind of editor we're working with baby <laughs> one o'clock in the afternoon after it's been up for 24 yeah. hours a great now partner we're for us forward. we're not gonna do them dirty we'll uh yeah 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 sometimes you sometimes you win some sometimes you lose some that's what i like to say Peg. who's running promos over there keith pompey you could bet this promo it's not tough not tough at all. Keith came on the show, man. Keith's a friend of the program. We love Keith. We can always joke, though. I mean, that's a that's a that's a stable. That's for he was a good sport when you did the hand thing. Oh, he's the best. Yeah, yeah, he's the best. Um, uh, yeah. So I've issued an editorial uh, uh, mandate here. Please, nobody share the DraftKings nine eleven parlay. Thank you. I understand what they were doing. It was not means. It was not um, just a little short sighted. <laughs> Probably not a good idea to make light of uh, 9-11 and turn it into a parlay, but um, I understand where they were coming from. I can't wait to bet on Hawaii on Pearl Harbor Day. We'll talk to you on, thir- on Wednesday. Wednesday. See you later. <laughs>